0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando
1: Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 14th, 2020. My name is Philip Ross, and I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore omd On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll dive a little bit deeper into Jonathan Isaac and his potential return to the Orlando Magic as he is practicing with the team. The update on him uh, from the Magic's media availability on Monday. We'll talk a little bit about that. Plus, the great unknown that is this season, or at least the resumption of this season, as uh, the team continues to work their way back into shape. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching Gravity Download Podcast for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on, I don't know who, the, the Lakers, the, the Rockets, the Kings, a lot of stuff going on around the NBA these days, you can check out your favorite team or your second favorite team's podcast wherever you download podcasts. Or search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. With pretty much every sport now coming back into gear, you can find NBA, NFL, NHL, college, and MLB podcast too. Wherever you download podcasts, just search for Locked On in the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The number one question that I get uh, from Magic fans probably at this at this juncture is asking whether Jonathan Isaac is going to play. Um, it's probably the number one question that anybody asks Anyone involved with the magic, I mean, shoot, I asked Jeff Weltman in the media Zoom conference that he had last week. You know how what Jonathan Isaac could gain from being in the bubble, but maybe not being able to play. And Weltman gave the kind, the the sort of canned answer he's given throughout this entire hiatus and throughout this entire time. You know, the the idea is he can gain a lot more from being in the bubble, being around the playoff, you know, preparation, working with the coaches physically. Um, than he could being outside of it. Uh, but they are planning as if he will not play. I mean, that has been the going line for the Orlando Magic, that they are planning to finish this season without Jonathan Isaac. They're not going to count on having him. As I think most fans have sensed from that line of thinking then, it's unlikely we'll see Isaac play the rest of the season. But it's not impossible the door was always slightly open. Uh, A refresh for where Isaac was. Isaac was having a career season, averaging 12 points per game, Now leading the league in stocks with, I believe, 3.2 steals and blocks per game. Uh, He was in line to be named to the all-defensive team. It was very much looking like he would get an all-defensive team nod and then a freak injury, and that's what it was. I I don't think Isaac's injury-prone. He's had several different injuries occur to him. Um... A freak injury where he wrapped his left leg around Bradley Beal's leg forced caused a very significant and rare, it seems like, sprain of his knee. A posterior lateral quarter injury to his left knee. The Magic said at the time it would take six to eight weeks uh, before they could reevaluate, so six to eight weeks of rest before they could reevaluate it. They weren't going to pursue surgery. Uh, and so we all just kind of waited. We all kind of targeted March late March especially, late March, early April, as a potential time for Isaac to return, just on pure speculation uh, off of that timeline. When the season went on hiatus in March, Jonathan Isaac was traveling with the team again. He had actually just started traveling with the team. I believe that road trip was his first road trip back with the team. And he was doing very light work on the court. Just set shots, not jumping, not moving, not doing any of that. Then all of a sudden, of course, the league shuts down. The Magic closed the practice facility, Everyone's kind of left to their own devices, and he's left to recover on his own. Throughout the league, the four-month hiatus gave everyone a chance to get fully healthy uh, from a lot of things, from a lot of different things. But recovery in this instance was slow, and not having access to the weight room, not having access to, you know, perhaps uh, other other uh, things within the Magic's practice facility, not being able to get back out on the court and kind of test things out, probably slowed things down even further. And frankly, with the Magic and the position they were in, the uncertainty of the season, there was probably no rush to bring him back. There's no rush to push him faster than his body would allow. So here we are now. In late July, Isaac is in the bubble with the team. He's in. He's at the Grand Floridian at Disney with the team. And he is practicing with the team. Steve Clifford said Sunday and reiterated Monday that Isaac is doing non-contact, all the non-contact drills with the team. So he is in practice, at least in full, in that respect. So he is getting up and down the floor, you know, going through those shell drills, just, you know, doing doing a lot of normal things in practice. But what he is not doing yet, and what no one seems ready to say he is ready to do, is contact. He is not doing contact drills. So the Magic have spent the last two days playing five-on-five five and kind of getting back into just playing regular basketball, which everyone seems super excited for. Um, that's not sarcasm. They're, they're really excited for this. Um, they're playing con- They're playing five-on-five. Five. Isaac is not a part of that yet. The only thing Isaac's doing, and so this is just an update of where he's at physically, the only thing Isaac is doing is the non contract drills and individual workouts with the coaches, but more, more specifically Mike Batiste, and Ron Higgins, uh, the player development coach, they're you know hitting him with pads essentially. that's that's about where he is, which again, like to me, knowing that Isaac is running up and down the floor, and they gave him the day off Sunday, you know, because they don't want to push him too hard. Um, they, he's running up and down the floor and doing that stuff. you know So he's running jumping, that's that's good. That's a really, really good sign. It's a sign of his progress. And he's doing at least a little bit of physicality. So again, the door is at least a little bit open, maybe a little bit wider than it was before the bubble. Clifford went on to say, though, that there's just no way that they can know. Um, Isaac said, you know, I am optimistic, you know, if things progress, you know, the way the way that he hopes, I, I think Isaac wants to play. But if things progress, you know, progress well and the training staff believes he's ready to play and give it a go, he's optimistic that he'll get there. But he, but if he doesn't, he's cool with it too. At, at least that's what he said publicly. Clifford said that there is no way to really know if Isaac's going to be ready, and they're not going to put him in games until they see him go through a practice and go through you know the physicality and the speed of an NBA game. There, especially you know after this long off and that's this long off for everybody mind you but especially after this long off the coaching staff isn't going to throw him into the fire so to speak uh, not in that way at least and so it's sti- you know Clifford said you know he's not going to know for two to three weeks if Isaac's going to be good to go. But, you know, again, like I'll say, he's saying that about everyone, it feels like. So it's... It's a positive in some respects. You know, like like I said, it's it's good to know that Isaac is running and jumping and, and doing all these physical drills and, and, and being a part of practice and being a part of the team in this way. It, it is an absolutely good thing. It's a sign of his progress, and, and that tells you where he's at. But is he going to play? Is he going to be back in time for at this point in the, se- this point in the season? I, I'm i skeptical. I don't think the Magic see the reward necessarily of throwing him in into a, a game of immense importance. Because let's be real, these are the eight most important games of the season for the Magic. Um, they they have to be focused and ready to play from game one against the Brooklyn Nets. I I, I don't think the Magic are going to throw him in unless they they feel really comfortable that he is ready to go that 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 he can make a real big impact. It's not to say it's not impossible. I, I would say the odds of him coming back are better now than they were a week ago. Or at least the handicapping of it is, is you know makes me think the odds are better now than it was a week ago. But Isaac still got a ways to go, uh, and and while it's good to hear from him, you can check out that video on OrlandoMagic.com. While it's good to hear from him, while it's good to see that he is working out with the team, it is it's still going to be it's still you know another step in that process to getting back. It is he still got a ways to go. Luckily, he's in the bubble with the team. He's able to encourage them. He's able to be around them. He's able to help them out in any way he can, and more importantly, he's able to continue that basketball skill work that's going to be necessary for his continued development. So we'll see exactly what happens next uh when when the magic start playing and and how quickly Isaac advances and how comfortable the magic are. You know, things things can change very very quickly and of course one day, you know, 330 tip off, Isaac could be in there and and we may not even really know it. Um so that's 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 the latest on Jonathan Isaac. But like so much the path forward is so unknown and I think that's Kind of been the major storyline after the first week of practice.
0: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you.
1: So the Orlando Magic have now completed essentially their first week inside the bubble. They've completed five practices. They'll take Tuesday off uh, to get themselves kind of reset after five hard days of work just trying to get themselves back. And there's been one theme and one message that has kind of carried its way through all five practices. And that is quite simply the unknown. It's really been, you know, you know, Steve Clifford is a very exacting coach. He's, you know, very, you know, taskmaster is probably too hard to, to say, but he's, he's very, you know, about discipline and structure. And, and he plans things out to a T. You know, he said during a typical training camp, you have an idea how the first five practices are going are to go. You know, just by watching the guys do their, their optional workouts and all that. You have a good idea of what you can accomplish in the first five days of practice and then adjust from there. You can map everything out literally to a T. Um, you know, or at least that that's that's the way that he likes to do things. This situation to him was a complete unknown. He said repeatedly, you know, I, I don't have a feel. You know, I I have an understanding of some of the things I'd like to get done and the, the, the tasks and, and the things that I want to try and do with, with our time on the court, and he structured his time to take advantage of his court time uh, to play and and to kind of get their legs back and get their legs back under them and using a second practice, a walkthrough in in a hotel ballroom, as an opportunity to install and remind players of principles and and, and things that they want to work on schematically. So there's still that structure there, but Clifford said that he he really doesn't have a sense. You know, like when he says it's going to be two or three weeks before he knows where Jonathan Isaac is at... That's not really just about Jonathan Isaac either. That's about everyone. They don't know where everyone's going to be at by the time they hit that scrimmage next week or games in a couple weeks. You hope that enough practices, enough time working out, enough time getting rhythm will give you more information and a better idea, but it's still a process to get everyone back to the level that they were at, even if not in March, then even at the beginning of a regular season. This is all such a huge task for every coach in the NBA, not just Steve Clifford. Nobody knows how good their team is. Nobody knows where their team is at, and nobody's going to know until they really start playing again. That's just a plain fact of things. Each practice, Clifford has said, he likes the team's spirit and energy. He likes the the, the, the professionalism, the, the attention to detail. Everyone seems genuinely happy to be happy to be playing and excited to be playing. And it's hard to know if that's just coach speak or honest feeling. You know, Clifford tends to at that first practice, Clifford tends to go a little harder on his team, but he's obviously not doing that here because everyone's starting from complete zero. It's it's almost it is like he said, like a, like an optional workout in September rather than a training camp in October. And so, he's kind of taking whatever information he can find, whatever information he can get from the way the team is playing, and honestly going from there. It's hard to say if the Magic can do or be more than that, or It's hard to really check on whatever progress they had. Now, it is good that the Magic moved fairly quickly into playing 5-on-5. That Clifford felt fairly comfortable going to that step. It's good that the Magic don't have any injuries yet. That is certainly a a key concern for a lot of teams. You know, Rajon Rondo already uh, out in six to eight weeks with a broken hand. He's left the bubble. He's gone to a hospital for surgery. Not clear if he'll be back for the rest of the season. And, once, of course, once he does, he'll have to re-enter through quarantine. And, of course, the Magic don't have Markel Fultz available yet either. He has not entered the bubble either. So, again, a lot is still unknown. A lot is still unknown about how teams are going to react to playing actual games. Because, yes, the Magic moved on to 5-on-5, but Clifford noted on Monday they've only played one quarter. They they were only able to play, like, a single quarter uh, of live basketball. You know, usually... That first day of training camp, they'll play two or three quarters. So again, there is still a long way to go. There are still several steps in the process, and you know I, I hate to say it this way. Time is going to creep up, creep up on this team. We're going to get to the scrimmages fairly quickly. It's a week from Wednesday is the first scrimmage against the LA Clippers, and so. The Magic are doing all they can, just like every team in the NBA is doing all they can, to take advantage of the time on the court to get their legs and conditioning back. That is the biggest key for this team, is conditioning. Are they going to be in shape? Are they going to be able to get up and down the floor? Are they going to be able to get through an entire 48-minute game in whatever minutes they're able to handle? Are they going to be able to have the rhythm to you know, make shots and execute their offense and defense effectively? The court time is used on this, on just getting back into basketball rhythm and into a basketball mode. The evening work, the evening walkthroughs are used to remind them of defensive principles and coverages and start to make some adjustments to what they were running in March. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all still such a huge mystery. At the end of the day, the Magic don't know where their team is at. Nobody knows where their team is at at this point. The optimism's good, of course. It's it's good. You know, the, the, the status reports we're getting from the Magic suggest the team is doing fine. And players have said, you know, it really feels like a regular practice. It feels like we're getting there. But I would imagine the hard stuff is coming in the, the next five practices, because again, the Magic have the day off Tuesday. The next five practices will be a much tougher prospect and will really help this team figure out where they're at once the games begin. Like I said, there's there a lot of positivity going around, which is good. And, and basketball is back, and that's good, and and that seems to be that seemed to be the focus of the first week of practice or the first set of practices now the magic have to keep getting better and keep growing and keep advancing toward the beginning of the season the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league So, Tuesday will mark one week since the Orlando Magic moved into the Disney campus. They've obviously completed five practices already and are well on their way uh, to resuming the season. The NBA released the initial round of testing results from the bubble uh, as as teams entered the bubble and reported only two players tested positive. So, it does seem like the NBA's testing measures and an idea to create this campus setting is working. Um, it, it does seem like the NBA has created a an environment that will that will keep the virus out. Um, at least at least for now, it does it does seem that way. This is obviously, and, and everyone has said that this is obviously a, a unique circumstance and and, and a really uh, trying time for everyone. Um, you know. It, there is a lot that can be said, and, and probably should be said, about the NBA creating this system at a time. And, and again, they didn't sign up for this, you know, when when things were this bad. But they've created a system at a time where testing is not as readily available as it should be. The NBA is getting, I think, twelve-hour turnarounds on their tests. People who go to the Orange County Convention Center and get tests have had a seven-day turnaround. Um, which essentially renders them useless. Um, there are very real concerns and, and very real things that we should be discussing about whether the NBA should even be doing this whole thing. They are. We're going to continue to discuss it, but uh, it, it deserves to be mentioned here. And I am about to say something that I'm sure some people will say, these guys make billions of dollars, buck it up. And there's, again, a socio, sociological debate we should have about that. Regardless of any of that, this is the reality of our culture and our society. That the NBA is going to Disney. They are testing everyone in that campus setting every day. And they're going to complete their season in the campus setting, in an enclosed campus setting. That's going to happen. And I think it's really, really important for us to understand exactly what these players are going through. Um, you know, it's been fun, you know, following the players and their kind of adventures on on social media. Um, Matisse Seibel of the Philadelphia 76ers um, is kind of doing a mini documentary of his experience in the bubble. He first, the first two episodes are already posted. And it's, you know, pretty fascinating to say the least to kind of get the nuts and bolts of what life is like inside the, Dis, the, the Disney campus. And so I think it's really, 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 really important for us to take a moment, to take a step back and really appreciate what these men are doing, for what these men are doing, uh, men and women uh, who, who are inside the Disney campus. These guys deserve our gratitude in, in some way for... Making the sacrifice for leaving their families again, yes, to do their jobs, which you know we all have had to do. We've all had to make some type of sacrifice or risk ourselves in some way to do our jobs in this society. And again, there's a lot to be said about about that um, that that we don't need to get into here. But essentially, the NBA is coming back, at least for their stated reason, to give us a sense of normalcy, to give people an outlet for entertainment, to give people sports again. And they don't have to do this. It's, again, debatable whether they should. But if they're going to, and if the players are going to go through all of this, they deserve our appreciation and our thanks for doing so. They are sacrificing a whole lot more than a lot of us are. You know, again... I'm, obviously there's a lot of people sacrificing a lot right now, um, especially our, our medical professionals and, and those really, fi- really kind of fighting COVID-19, you know, you know, whether it's at, at testing centers, whether it's in hospitals. There's a lot going on. Of course, those people deserve our real appreciation and our thanks. I'm, I'm not minimizing them by saying what I'm saying. But these players are giving up a lot are giving up something significant to do something that's essentially for entertainment, to do something essentially for us that they frankly don't have to do. Again, maybe they shouldn't be doing it. Maybe there's, there's bigger issues at play that this country and, and our resources should be directed toward. But if they're going to do this, if we're going to cover them, if we're going to talk about basketball again for the rest of the season then I have to say thank you to them. I have to say I appreciate the sacrifice, again, comparative as it may be, the sacrifice that you are making to do this. And I think we all should do the same. Again, it's not the same as other sacrifices being made. And and, and I will repeat this again. There's certainly a moral and ethical dilemma, a sociological dilemma in the NBA coming back the way they're coming back while the pandemic is going wild all over Central Florida and all over Florida in general. There's a lot to say about it. But if they're going to do this again, all we can do is say thank you. All we can do is appreciate the sacrifice they're making to do their jobs, yes, but to entertain us. And I hope that perspective, because, you know, Evan Fournier had to leave his Newport, his one year old son and his wife. Sent them back to Paris to do this. Nikola Vucevic had to leave his kid his child. If the Magic advanced in this playoffs, you know, his wife is pregnant with their second child. You know, if she, you know she's due he said she's due in October, there's a chance, you know, you know, if the Magic made the finals, there's a chance that he would miss the birth or leave the team to be to be there for the birth at the same time he's missing essentially all he would miss essentially all of her pregnancy that's 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 a lot to give up dj augustine said his wife his his, his father-in-law you know recently died and, and he really wants to be there for his wife but she understands that this is his job these guys are used to traveling they're used to not being home all the time—that's that's not the sacrifice they're making here. They're giving up some of their freedom, which you know apparently is is a huge deal in this country right now. For s- silly reasons, wear your masks. But they're literally giving up their freedom to complete the season. Again, yes, should they be doing it? Yeah, who knows? Terrence Ross had to explain to his his son that he's going to be gone for a while in a way that, that's different than normal. You know, you're usually not gone for anything longer than a week, maybe two, during the NBA season. And so, it feels to me like, and I know I'm repeating myself, it feels to me like it is really important to appreciate what what these guys are doing, what everyone inside that campus setting is doing. Again, our Is the league doing this for the right reasons? Should the league be doing this? Are separate questions. If they're going to do this, if they're going to be doing this, the players deserve our gratitude. They deserve our thanks and our appreciation for the sacrifices that they're making. And I just want to make sure that that perspective and that reminder is out there. Again, there are sociological debates that we can have about all of this. And we honestly should be having those conversations. I am not ignoring those conversations. But the league is going through with this. And the players are going through with this. And they deserve at least some recognition and gratitude for what they're going through. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, in Him like Google Play, Spotify, and all the places it on the podcast to your podcast enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at Daily. Be sure also to check out the latest episode of the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show. They've been doing some kind of like superlatives and fun rankings among NBA players. They do more of them, including the most player most likely to coach, the best NFL player in the NBA, the most average player at every position, the most unfairly labeled as good stats, bad team in the NBA, a whole bunch of those fun, fun categories for debate. You can check that out on the Hollinger and Duncan NBA Show. Download it wherever you download podcasts today. But that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Phil Ross with I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.